Book Eight, Book Eight, Chapter One of A Class Book of Old Testament History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by J. L. A Class Book of Old Testament History by George Frederick MacLear. Book Eight, From the Time of Samuel to the Ascension of David. Book Eight, Chapter One. Eli and Samuel, First Samuel one through four, B.C. circa eleven seventy one through eleven forty one. During the twenty years that Samson judged Israel, the high priesthood, diverted for reasons not revealed from the line of Eleazar to the younger line of Ithamar, First Chronicles six verses four through fifteen and twenty four verse four, had been filled by Eli, who henceforth appears to have discharged the united duties of high priest and judge. The tabernacle with the ark was now at Shiloh, where a town had rapidly grown up. Inside the gateway leading up to it was a seat or throne, 1 Samuel 1, 9 and 4.13, on which Eli used to sit and then survey the worshippers as they came up on high days to the festivals. Year by year as he sat there, he would see amongst the pilgrims coming up to the Feast of Tabernacles the family of Elkanah, a man of Ramathaim Zophim in Mount Ephraim. Though a Levite in the line of Kohath, First Chronicles six verse twenty-seven through thirty-four, he affords one of the few instances of polygamy in the ranks of the lower orders. By his wife Penina, he had several children. By Hannah, his favorite wife, he had none, which was to her a source of much trouble, and brought down upon her many taunts from her rival. On one occasion, as Eli sat on his throne at the gate, he was led more particularly to notice one of this little family group. At the close of the sacrificial feast, unable any longer to endure the mockery of her rival and her own bitterness of heart, Hannah remained long in silent prayer at the sanctuary. The high priest saw her lips move, but heard no sound of her voice as she prayed. Thinking that she had indulged to excess at the feast, he rebuked her and bade her put away her wine from her. Then Hannah told him of her secret grief, and the aged priest, convinced of his error, quickly made amends by bestowing upon her his blessing, and expressing a hope that the God of Israel might grant the petition she had preferred. 1 Samuel 1.17 The story of the wife of Manoah was, probably, not unknown to Hannah, and she too prayed that, if the Lord would grant her a man-child, she would devote him as a Nazarite to his service all the days of his life. Her prayer was heard. Before the Feast of Tabernacles came round again, she had become the mother of a son, to whom she gave the appropriate name of Samuel, the Asked, or Heard of God. When he was weaned, she brought him to Shiloh with three bullocks, an ephah of flour, and a skin bottle of wine, and, having poured forth her thankfulness in an inspired hymn, presented the boy to Eli as the child for whom she had prayed, and whom she now wished to return to the Lord. 1 Samuel 2, verses 1-11 through in striking contrast with the simplicity and innocence of the young child who henceforth waited upon eli the two sons of that pontiff hophni and phineas were sons of belial they knew not the lord by their rapacity and lust they had filled all israel with loathing and indignation so that men abhorred the offering of the lord but Eli restrained them not, and as years went on, their wickedness only seemed to increase in spite of his expostulations. It was a dark day in Israel, and their conduct gives us a terrible glimpse into the fallen condition of the chosen people. First Samuel 2, verses 12-21
Before long, the first warning came to Eli. A man of God stood before him, and after reminding him of the high honor God had conferred upon him when he chose him to be his high priest, sternly rebuked him for honoring his sons above their maker, and announced that, instead of the office remaining in his family, its high functions should be transferred to another and more faithful line. And not only did he thus denounce distant punishment, but an immediate and speedy pledge of it in the death on one day of both his sons. 1 Samuel 2, verses 27 through 36. But this warning produced no effect. Eli was old and gray-headed. However fitted he might have been once for the task of ruling his family, that day was gone by now. A second warning, therefore, of coming doom was now given him, not by the mouth of any stranger, but of the child whom Hannah had left in the tabernacle at Shiloh, alone unto the Lord. Clad in a white linen ephod, and the little mantle reaching to the feet, which his mother brought from year to year, his long flowing hair betokening his Nazarite vow, Samuel ministered before Eli. The degraded state of the priesthood in the hands of Hophni and Phinehas had made intimations of the divine will rare and precious in those days. There was no open vision. But the Lord found a way to intimate the coming doom of Eli's house. One night, when the aged priest had lain down to rest in one of the chambers hard by the tabernacle, which was illumined only by the light of the seven-branched golden candlestick, in the early morning, before it was yet light, a voice called Samuel and awoke him from his slumber. Thinking Eli had called him, he went to him and inquired the cause. But Eli had not spoken and bade him lie down again. He did so, and again the voice pronounced his name. Once more he ran to the bedside of the high priest, who, as before, denied that he had called him and told him to return to his bed. A third time the voice pronounced his name, and then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child and bade him, if he heard it again, reply, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Samuel returned to his bed, and when the voice called to him for the fourth time, answered as the aged priest had bidden him, and heard the purport of the mysterious call. The Lord was about to do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of him that heard it should tingle. Eli's sons had made themselves vile, and he had not restrained them. For this iniquity his house was now to be judged, and neither sacrifice nor offering could make atonement. When the Lord began, he would also make an end. Until the sun was up, Samuel lay still, and forbore to tell Eli what he had heard. But the high priest, whose conscience, doubtless, only too surely whispered what it was, bade him hide nothing from him. And then the old man, whose eyes were dim that he could not see, listened, while the child told him every whit. Death awaited his sons, beggary and desolation his family. "'It is the Lord,' was his brief reply. "'Let him do what seemeth him good.' And in the course of time, the warning was fulfilled. As Samuel grew, the Lord began to reveal himself more and more to him. The influence of Eli, already weakened, now dwindled from day to day. He decreased and Samuel increased, and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground, so that all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that he was established to be a prophet, a revealer of the divine will. 1 Samuel 3, verses 19-21 through 21. Meanwhile, the strength of the Philistines had recovered from the wounds it had received from the champion of Dan. Advancing their forces to Aphek, no great distance from the fortress of Jebus, they attacked the Israelites and inflicted on them a loss of 4,000 men. Alarmed at this reverse, the Israelites resolved to fetch the ark and take it into battle, that it might save them out of the hands of their enemies. 
the sacred symbol was thereupon removed from the curtains that enclosed it, and the two sons of Eli accompanied it to the field. A great shout, so that the earth rang again, greeted its arrival in the Israelite camp, and the Philistines, alarmed at the proximity of the mighty gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues, resolved to sell their lives dear, rather than become subject to their enemies. Again, therefore, the battle was joined, and Israel sustained a still more disastrous defeat. Upwards of thirty thousand were slain, amongst whom were Eli's sons, and, worse than all, the ark of God was taken. 1 Samuel 4.11 On his elevated seat by the wayside, Eli sat to receive any tidings from the battlefield, his heart trembling for the sacred symbol of which he was the guardian. As the day closed, a young man of the tribe of Benjamin came running into the town of Shiloh. His clothes were rent, his hair sprinkled with dust. A wail of lamentation arose from the people, who no sooner saw him thus attired than they knew how the day had gone. Eli heard the noise of the tumult and inquired the cause. I am he that came out of the army, and I fled today out of the army, said the young man. And what is there done, my son? inquired the pontiff. Israel is fled before the Philistines, was the reply, and there hath been also a great slaughter among the people. And thy two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God is taken. No sooner did the last part of his terrible tidings fall from his mouth, then the aged priest fell from his seat backwards, and his neck broke, and he died. Ninety-eight summers had passed over his head, and forty years he had judged Israel, and now his doom was come. But still another death was to mark that dreadful day. The wife of Phineas was near to be delivered of her second child. The news reached her that her husband and her father-in-law were dead, that Israel had been defeated, that the ark had been taken. She bowed her head, the pangs of childbirth came upon her, a son was born, and the women that stood by tried to cheer her fainting spirits. But in vain. The ark of God was taken, that was all her mind could realize. With her last breath, she gave the child a name that should be a memorial of that fearful day. Call him Ichabod, she said. The glory is departed from Israel. 1 Samuel 4 verses 12 through 22. End of Book 8, Chapter 1